Yes. Yes. Good morning, Oso Creek. God is so good. On, in line with that video, if you are a retired in any of the armed forces or were discharged, would you stand? Can we honor you this morning? If, you, if you've re- retired, awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Now, yeah, still standing. Thank you. Now, if you're active, why don't you join? If you're active military in the house, will you stand in with them? If you're active with anyone this morning? Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. We thank you all, amen? We thank you. God bless you guys this weekend. Awesome. Praise the Lord. We are very thankful for our military, aren't we? Huh? Yes, very, very thankful. Talked about that a little bit last week and used that actually as an example um, but we're very, very thankful, and God bless all of you and your families. Isn't God good? Amen. Come on, that's weak. Isn't God good? Amen. Come on, that's not even enough. Isn't God good? Amen. That's not even a one ten millionth of the praise that God deserves. Amen. We think that's something. Oh, we get real. No, that ain't, that ain't. You realize there are host and host and host and host and host and host of angels right now that are worshiping the Lord all the time. They are just bowing before the Lord. There are some that gather around us and they say, holy, holy, holy. They declare that all the time, man. Praise God. He's good, isn't he? Tell that to somebody next to you. Say, God is good. Say, God's amazing. All right. And he's alive and he is real. Praise the Lord. I'm so glad you guys are all here. Great worship, man. That was awesome. Lifting up the name of Jesus. Glad all of you guys are here. Those of you who are watching online, we apologize. The stream finally came on. Good job, Will. Excellent back there, uh, our tech director. But uh, thank you for streaming and joining us as well. Just a couple of things. There's some uh, our Daily Bread devotionals. You can pick them up in the Information Center on your way out if you want to. There's a blood drive that's happening after church. That's good. And also, out in the lobby are also elder nominations that's available for you. You can check that out. It's all detailed. I want to get to the Word of God. Does that sound good? But I wanted to say those things, so get a Bible, Exodus chapter 3. I do want to welcome some awesome guys with us this morning. That's a crew from Team Jesus of Corpus Christi that are with us, the Outreach Ministry. Man, we are so glad to have you guys, a couple of pastors with us this morning. Man, thank you guys. Thank you. Dude, they hit the streets, guys. And they are sharing the love of God and the hope of Jesus Christ all over Corpus Christi and beyond. And that's awesome, man. Glad to have you guys today. Praise the Lord. All right. So we're going to do two weeks on this next name of God. All right. And man, I, I can't wait. I've, I've been pining to get up here and speak about God's name. All right. So are you ready to listen? Five of you. All right. That's good. All right, so we're going to learn another revealed name of God today by, by talking about a story that's, for, 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 the, for the most part, a lot of people, this is a very familiar story. Um, it's a story that many of you and many people might have learned as we little kids, you know, um, in Sunday school or children's church or a, a kid's coloring book or something. 
But this is not a mere kid's story, gang, okay? It, this story contains a powerful truth about who God is and his nature and his character and how it speaks to us today. So as we're in this series, Hello, My Name is God, we have talked about God revealing himself as Elohim, which is the eternal, almighty, supreme creator God. We spent two weeks on that, okay? A lot to unpack. Last week, we talked about God Adonai, who is the Lord and the master of everyone and everything and how we need to submit to him, all right? And hopefully, one of the purposes of this series is so that you will understand God more by learning his revealed names and how that can impact you in your spiritual walk, especially like for like when you're praying, okay? For instance, let's say you're praying about something that's really pressing into you or you, you, you need life breathed into something or you need bright, uh, breath of life breathed into someone. You can say, God, I come before you. Lord, you are Elohim. You are the creator of all. God, you spoke and it happened. You breathe life into mankind. Lord, I need you as the creator to create something here. I need you to breathe life into this person, breathe life into this situation because you are Elohim. You can use these names even in your prayer, right? Yes. Maybe you might be like Abraham that we talked about last week, okay? Uh, There's some things going on in your life. You don't know what's happening. You look around. You know what you've been promised. God's promised something to you, all right, but, but you don't see it happening. It's not happening quick enough, all right? It, the, the, you're, the things that are going on doesn't make sense to you. You don't think things are happening like you want them to fast enough. You're like, God, I'm crying out to you. Lord, I need you right now. God, you've said this. You've promised this. I've heard this. But where are you, God? That's when we bow to the Lord and say, but God, I know that you are Adonai, my Lord and my master, and I submit to you. I submit to you. I submit to your will. I submit to your perfect plan. Just this week, gang, something was heavy on my heart regarding a family member. And I, I knelt down on my bed and I was praying and as I was praying and, and, and finally I was like, Lord, you are Adonai. And God, we just submit. I just submit to you and your plan. Gang, this is the beauty of learning the revealed names of God. Because when we learn these things, as I've said, we learn his nature, his character, his essence, his attributes. And then we see how those attributes they address and fill needs that we have in our own lives. So we talked about Elohim. We talked about Adonai. Today and next week, we're going to see that God gets more personal, all right? He gets more personal. So let's read Exodus chapter 3. We're going to read quite a few verses this morning. So hang with me, all right? Say yes. Say I'll hang. Thank you, a few of you. All right, it's okay. I'm going to read it anyway. So here we go. No. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it wasn't consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, that's God's voice, okay, Moses, Moses, I don't know, Charlton Heston, anyway. 
He said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet for the place on which you're standing is holy ground. And he said, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their suffering. And I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, a lot of ites. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me and I've also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Sounds awesome, doesn't it? But Moses said to God, what, who, me? (laughs) You know, Raggy, that kind of thing. He's like, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He, God said, but I will be with you. You guys hear that? Let that sit in your spirits today. I will be with you. And this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and and they ask me, what's his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Hallelujah. God, touch us today as we unpack your word and we learn about you this morning. Amen? So let's give a little context here, okay? So there's this character, Moses. He's one of the key figures in the Bible, in all the Bible, okay? And at this time, at this point of the story, he's, in his life, he's kind of living this kind of a nomadic shepherd life. So Moses' life can be broken down into three 40-year sections of life. We see that in the Word of God. The first 40 years, and some of you guys know this, you're students of the Word, you've, you've learned it, and that's great, but take it as a remedial lesson, okay? But the first 40 years, he has lived in the high palace life as the adopted son of Pharaoh's daughter, okay? It's plush life. Plush living, kind of like when we were in Nehemiah. Nehemiah was the cupbearer to the Persian king. Life was good, all right? But the Israelites had been living in bondage of slaves to Egypt for 400 years. For four centuries, they were slaves. You may say, excuse me, a bacon powder? You know, what's going on? What are you talking about? 400 years. It's a long time to be a slave, all right? And, and as they were there in Egypt and, and into the slavery, 
The Pharaoh got a little concerned because the Israelites were birthing many babies, becoming pretty huge as a people. He thought that they would rise up against Egypt, join their neighbors, overthrow them, and, and get to where they're free people. So he had every male child that was newly born cast into the Nile River. We see this in Exodus chapter 1, verse 22. Trying to annihilate them by throwing the newborn males into the Nile River. Let me just say this here, okay? Historically, there has been attempt after attempt after attempt to annihilate God's covenant people, the Israelites. But guess what? They will never be annihilated. They will never be wiped out. Why? Because God is faithful to his covenant. They are still his people. They will still be his people. And he's gonna have a plan to them all the way up to the glorious appearing of Jesus Christ where the word says when they see him, they will look upon him and they will mourn because they will realize he's the one they pierce. And Paul says they will be saved in that moment. Praise God. So continue to pray for Israel. Amen? Amen. So let's go back to old Mo here, all right? So Moses' Moses's mom, many of you know, this is the story part that you know, made, made a little basket, okay, when Moses was born. She wanted to save her son. And she floated him down the Nile River to keep him safe. Pharaoh's daughter was bathing and she saw him, you know, the, the basket floating down. She took him uh, home and she pretty much adopted little Moses. But Moses' sister was kind of watching in the, you know, in the little bushes here and ran out and says, do you want me to find a Hebrew uh, lady to, to nurse the baby? And she said that was a great idea. So during Moses' birthing years, he was actually being, you know, weaned, birth, uh, not birth, but fed and, and kind of weaned by his own mom in their own household, okay? And so during those years, that's very important. I think that's very important to see because while she is nursing Moses, I'm sure she is talking to him about God and about the Hebrew people and, and, and all those kinds of things, Okay. But then he goes and grows up into the Egyptian palace and he's thrust into the Egyptian culture and he knows he's a Hebrew. He sees his people in bondage and, and, and one day he, he kills an Egyptian that was beating up on an Israelite and, and he buries him. Pharaoh gets wind of this and threatens to kill Moses. Moses runs away. He runs away out to the wilderness. He gets married, becomes a shepherd, and so he spent 40 years in the palace, and now he's 40 years by the time we read our text. 40 years as a fugitive, hiding from Pharaoh, shepherding his father-in-law's flocks. I mean, I'll get to this more next week, but can you imagine, you know, what he might have been feeling and purposeless? What's the use of life? What's going to happen? Man, I had it all set up, you know? I thought I could deliver my people on my own. That's why he killed that Egyptian, but God had another story, another plan for him, right? So he's out tending for four years. He's out as a shepherd. And one day, it's probably just a normal day, just like any other, pretty boring as a shepherd probably, but old Mo, he's like 80 years old now, 80 years, and he sees something he's never seen, a burning bush. A, bur a bush that's on fire, but it's not being consumed. The leaves are there. The, the, the little bark is there. And, and it's, it's amazing to him, very, very unique. So he steps closer to look at it and to examine it, you know, and then God speaks to him. And he calls out his name twice, Moses, Moses. It's pretty important when God 
calls your name twice. And he tells Moses he's going to deliver his people and, and he's going to use Moses to help, right? So Moses, growing up in this Egyptian culture, he had to be familiar with all of the many Egyptian gods and all that polytheism that, that happened in Egypt and, and all these different gods had names. So Moses asked a question of this voice coming from a burning bush. And he asked, who will I tell them is sending me? He says, what's your name? What's your name? What's your name? Holy God, what's your name, you know? He's like, what's your name? What an awesome question to ask. What's your name? And it's here that God reveals his name to Moses. Verses 14 and 15. God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. And say this to the people, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. Thus I'm to be remembered throughout all generations. Now when Moses asked, what's your name? I don't think he was waiting for just some common name like Stanley or Max or Ralph or anything like that, okay? Moses was seeing a miracle. A miracle was happening in front of him. It was a burning bush, but it wasn't burning. And then he hears this majestic voice of God. He knew he was a Hebrew. He had heard of Israel's God. He had heard of his ancestors and how his ancestors served God. And there was so much polytheism and pantheism in that area. He wanted to know the identity of the God of his fathers. And God says, go tell my people the Lord. The Lord. Or here in the Hebrew that the Old Testament is written in, it's not written in Hebrew words or Hebrew phrases. It's recorded with just four letters, Y-H-W-H, which is called the Tetragrammaton. That's the uh, technical term for these, and I think we've got it, yeah, Y-H-W-H, the Tetragrammaton. Right there, there's the Hebrew. There's the four Hebrew letters that is considered the tetragrammaton, okay? And that's just, tetragrammaton means Greek for four letters. That, that means four letters in Greek, okay? So the, the Hebrew language didn't include vowels. So this word for God, it's literally unpronounceable. You can try, but you can't pronounce it because there's no real vowels in it. And even to this day, we do not know the true he the, the vowels that were intended to go there. So the Hebrews, they, they would not put uh, vowels in there and they would just kind of insert things as they would read along. So it's just Y-H-W-H. No one today knows the true pronunciation of this reveal, revealed name of God. And the Jewish people felt that God's name was so holy it was so sacred and to be, to be revered so much that they didn't even want to utter it. They didn't even want to try to pronounce it. They, they didn't want his name to leave their lips for fear that they would break the commandments regarding his name, fear that they would take his name in vain and profane it. So they wouldn't even speak his name. They were afraid to speak his name because it was too holy. 
Man, my times have changed a lot, haven't they? Woo! People use God's name in vain and don't even really think about it. But over time, eventually, even those that in Moses' time, even the high priests, as they would go in and pronounce the name, eventually they even forgot to even how to pronounce that name because they just, they would never want to do it. I heard one minister recently say that his name was so sacred to the Jews that even when the Jews, the scribes were writing the scrolls, when they would come to his name, they would throw away the quill they were using and get new. They would throw away ink and get new and they would go take a ceremonial bath to cleanse themselves. The Hebrew scribes took the letter. So here's where we get what we have today. They took the Hebrew letters for the vowels of Adonai that we talked about last week. They inserted them into this tetragrammaton and then it was rendered uh, what we know as Y-A-H-W-E-H. Yahweh. Yahweh. And again, no one truly knows the exact pronunciation, but, but many believe that's exactly how it might have been pronounced back then. Yahweh. And they still had such a high regard and sacredness for God's name that when they would come upon it in their readings, they would insert the name Adonai and for Lord instead of this covenantal name uh, of Yahweh. So eventually as the Bible began to be translated, Yahweh was translated to the, the Latinized Jehovah. And that's what we kind of have today. And that's pretty much how we translate Y-H-W-H, Yahweh, Jehovah. That's, that's kind of where we are today. And so, you know, in the Bible, if you're, you know, we've talked about when you see L-O-R-D with a capital L, that's referring to Adonai. But anytime you see the Lord in all caps, L-O-R-D, all capitals, you're talking about the Lord. You're talking about Jehovah. You're talking about Yahweh. And that's important to know because now when you're reading the Bibles and you see capital L-O-R-D, you're saying, oh, that's Master and Lord. But if you see L-O-R-D, all caps, oh, that's Jehovah. That's Jehovah. That's Yahweh. That's the sacred name, man. That's the Lord Jehovah. You say, okay, Greg, that sounds great. But what does it mean, Greg? Woohoo! good history. Thank you for that summation, but what does it mean? Great question, and the answer is beautiful. It's a beaut, Clark, okay? It's beautiful. So Yahweh, Jehovah, here's what it means. It is the, this name means the personal, covenantal, relational God. We've talked about the creator God, supreme God, We've talked about Lord, Master. Now, this is the personal, covenantal, relational God. God was identifying himself to Moses as the one who had been with his ancestors, that he was the God of the Israelites, and he was faithful to his covenant that he made to the patriarchs, Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac, and that he was the God who initiated and established this covenant, and he was going to be faithful to fulfill that covenant. He had been with Moses' ancestors. He was the God of his forefathers. He's a covenantal God. He established that covenant. And this name is relational. And I love that. Don't you love that we serve a God who is relational? Relational. It's a relationship, not a religion, right? It's, It's such a catchphrase in the church world today. And it's so true. Listen, when God speaks to Moses, I love this. His first words weren't, hey, buddy, hey, pal, (laughs) hey, bro, or hey, dude, or any kind of other generic greeting. 
His first words to Moses. Remember, Moses doesn't really know God at this time. He was more familiar with the pagan gods of Egypt. But God's first words to Moses was his own name. He called him by name. He called out to Moses by his name. Moses, adopted prince of Egypt, but pretty much forgotten by now, obscure, living on the backside of the desert, tending flocks, but God knew him and God called him by his name. Man, let that sit with you for a moment, gang. What does that say to you personally? Listen, you may be in this place right now and you feel very insignificant. Maybe life has beat you down. Maybe you feel like you're on the backside of a desert somewhere, you know, and, and you don't feel important. You don't feel like you matter. You don't feel like your life matters. Listen, you matter to Jehovah God. Hallelujah. You matter. He knows you and he calls you by your name. He knows you personally. He knows you better than you know yourself. Did you know that? He knows you're good, he knows you're bad, and he knows you're ugly. And guess what? He still loves you. <laughs> Praise the Lord for that, right? He personally knows you, and he wants to have a relationship with you because he's a relational God. That's what Jehovah means. And then God says something I find pretty amazing to Moses. You know, God could have easily said that, you know, he was just, just the God of the patriarchs. Moses, Moses. I am the God of your ancestors. I'm the God of the patriarchs, the big three from back in the day, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, all right? But in verse six, where God starts speaking to him from the bush and tells him to take off his sandals because he was standing on holy ground and you know, he's probably wearing vans probably, you know what I mean? More than likely. No, it's all right. Never mind, all right. <laughs> Okay, they're Adidas then. But anyway, God says, and I love this, gang. Did I love this? I've read this, I don't know how many times in my life. So I was preparing for this. It's just like, whoa, whoa, you know. He says, I'm the God of your father. Your father. And again, who is Mo Moses grew up as an adopted child of Pharaoh's daughter. As I said, he, he spent those weaning years in, in his Hebrew mom and dad's house. We see in Exodus chapter two, verses nine through 10. So most likely, probably he knew his father, even if just a little bit, his Hebrew father. And he starts off not only by calling his name, but he says, I'm the God of your father, your real father. Dude, how much, dude, that probably just hit Moses right there. You know what I mean? It's awesome. And so God was like, look, Moses, I'm personal, I'm relational. Not only the God of your ancestors way back when that you've heard about, but I'm also the God of your father that worshiped me as well. See, God is a covenantal God. He's a personal God. He's a relational God. Guys, he's not distant. He's not way out there somewhere. He is close. His name is covenant. His name is relational. His name is personal. And I ask you here this morning, and I ask you watching online, do you know him? Do you know him? You see, gang, this is God's, not only is he personal, but this is God's personal name. It's his personal name. 
I mentioned in the first message of this series how we all go by different nicknames and monikers and people call us by different aliases and descriptors. Like me, I've been known as, you know, uh, Pastor PG. I've been known to be called, I was called too legit for a while. We won't go there, but that's all right. Depending on the locale, that's right, because I was too legit to quit. Hey, hey, you know what I mean? So that's it. Um, I've been known, depending on what locale is Greg or Gregory, I've been known as a world-class athlete. I've been known as dad, all right? Whoever laughed over there, that's not good. I take offense. That's probably my daughter. No, never mind, all right. But I have one specific personal and proper name. That's Gregory Allen Isaacs, okay? Gregory Allen Isaacs is my proper and personal name. Well, Yahweh is God's proper name in Hebrews. And it's so important that this revealed name of God is used more than any other. It's used more than any other name that God chose to reveal himself with. It's used over 6,000 times in the Old Testament. Over 6,000. And what this shows is that God doesn't want to be known as some generic entity or some generic deity that that really can't be approached and can't be known. No, he has a personal name and he desires for all of us to know it. He's not just an impersonal force that created everything and now he's chilling out somewhere. No, he initiated a relationship with the Jewish patriarchs and the Jewish people. They followed him. They served him. And now he's revealing himself personally to Moses. And he says that he remembers his people. And this personal relationship extends all the way to us today through his son, Jesus Christ. And he desires even today, just like with Moses, to reveal himself to you and me in such a way that we can know him and have a personal relationship with him. So before God revealed his covenant, personal and relational name of of Yahweh and Jehovah to Moses, listen to how he first summed up this name in verse 14. I love it. I love it. Then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your father, they ask me, what's his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. I am who I am. Say to this people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Jehovah means I am. I am or to be because that's connected with the Hebrew verb to be. And this could be understood as I am what I am and I, I will be what I will be. God tells Moses, I am who I am. I'm Yahweh. To be is the imperfect tense showing an action that started in the past, it continues in the present, but it hasn't been completed yet. I am is God's name. I am is God's name. Listen, no created thing on this earth, no person who has ever lived on this planet can ever say, I am, (laughs) I mentioned last week how people think that they're, they're the masters of their own little worlds. They're the creators of their own lives, that they're in control, that they are their own, they are their own Lord. They're behind the wheel of their life and they are driving. Do we can learn the humankind's response from the old cartoon character Popeye who says, I am what I am. Anybody remember that? That's old right there. Two people? Google Popeye and you'll learn it. He says, I am what I am, right? 
And that's how a lot of people live their lives. It's all me. I am. I am in control. I am the master of my Lord. I am calling the shots. I am doing what I want to do. I'm living the way I want to live, all right? Listen, we are just weak sauce with sea salt, okay? Because we are not in control. We're not masters of our own little worlds. Jehovah God is the only one who can proclaim, I am. You know, people all over, and you've heard, you've said things like this. I am fill in the blank. I'm a man. I'm a woman. I'm good. I'm bad. I'm an auto worker. I'm a musician. I'm a teacher. I'm whatever. And it's interesting in, in the human race, men and women are always becoming something, right? We're always becoming something. We, we're different all of our lives from you know, birth to death. We're growing older. We're growing wiser. Some are growing more foolish and dumb. Some are growing weaker. Some are growing stronger. We are always changing, right? How many have changed just this last week? Five of you? Man, everybody should raise their hand. Yeah. Because I promise you, you woke up today, you're older today than you were yesterday, okay? Yeah. Now, some of you, I was about to say you're weaker, but some of you are stronger because you really do work out. So good for you. I'm weaker than I was yesterday, all right? <laughs> but we're all changing. Listen, we are all in a constant change. God says, I am. What he was is what he is and what he will be. God is who he was and it's who he is and it's who he will be. He is the I am. He is the I am. That's good preaching. He's the I am. He's unchanging, amen? I'll get to that in a minute. But we're gonna hit four things that God says I am shows. We'll only hit two of them, and they're really quick. So Jake, if you guys will be ready, okay? We'll hit the next two last week. Just like Elohim, there's so much with this name. But I am shows that God is incomprehensible. He's absolute, and he's eternal. So it's important for us to know, guys, Shows that God is incomprehensible, absolute, and eternal. You know, a kid may come to you as a parent, you know, sometimes say, how old is God? You guys don't have to come up this quick. I just said, be ready. Oh, what are they doing? You know, they're trying to rush me out of this mug? Come on now. No, I'm just kidding. We can create some atmosphere. That's fine. It's all good. I love it. Somebody say, how, how old is God? And we stammer, oh, let's see. You know, no. The answer is simple. God's age is eternity. That's how old God is. The, bi the biblical illustrator states that God is no older than he was from eternity. And there's no equal to God, guys. There's no equal to God. You can't say God equals and then put something other than God in the blank. If you put anything other than God on the other side, it's not right. Because God is God. And you would say, well, God is love. But you can't just limit God to just that. We can put one characteristic or one attribute in there, but that we can't just limit God to that because God is also graceful. He's also merciful. God is also holy. Did you guys hear that? He's holy. That means he don't like sin. And God's also wrathful. We realize that, right? 
And God doesn't like sin, amen? And God is just, and God is right, and God is the authority, and he's sovereign, and he's supreme, he's majestic, and he's awesome. God is God, amen? God, nothing equals our God, praise the Lord. I am Jehovah God, depends on no one or anything. He doesn't need anyone's help. He doesn't need anyone's advice. He doesn't need anyone's opinion. And sorry if that messes up with your world, because I know there's many people who love to give God advice and love to give him their opinions. <laughs> he doesn't need it, right? God isn't limited by anything or anyone. He isn't swayed by trends or culture. He's not concerned with time. He is I am, praise God. Man, hallelujah. And that's such good news for us. In a world where everything's constantly changing and moving and shifting, where everything rises and falls, where, where things are just so temporary, it's wonderful that we can run to Yahweh, Jehovah God, and count on him, and he will be there. And just like we see in our text, like the Israelites in verse 7, he sees our affliction, he hears our cries, and knows our suffering. The Israelites were slaves and bondage, oppressed severely. In chapter 1 of Exodus, it says that the Egyptians made their lives bitter with hard service. Exodus chapter 2, 23 says they, they, they groaned because of their slavery and they cried out to God for help. I love what Exodus 2, 24 and 25 states. And God heard their groaning. God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac and Jacob. He saw the people of Israel and God knew. And gang, this is, this is good news, even for us, because it's one of the first things God tells Moses in our text in verse 7. He tells Moses, then the Lord Jehovah said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people. I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their suffering, and I've come down to deliver them. God saw them, he heard them, he knew them, and he was going to rescue them and deliver them. You want to hear some good news before I pray? He says the same to us. He sees you. He hears you. And he knows you. Did you guys hear that? Let me explain it like this. He sees your broken heart. He sees your wounded spirit. He sees the hurt that you've been carrying around for a long time. He sees you seeking for an answer, for substance or something meaningful in your life. He sees your fear. He sees when you're fearful and worried and anxious and nervous. He sees you physically suffering pain. He sees you when you're sick. He sees you emotionally and mentally afflicted. He sees you in your relational despondency. And that relationship is just hurting you. But it'd be one thing if he just sees us. Not only does he sees us, but he hears our cries. He hears, I'm feeling God's presence right now. He hears when we're crying to him through our tears. He hears when we're calling out to him in desperation. 
crying out, where are you, God? When we say, Lord, I need you, where are you, God? He hears it. And it'd be one thing if he just saw it and heard it, but no, he also knows specifically what you're going through. The long nights, the sleepless nights, the pacing the floor, the waiting for an answer, waiting for him to move. He knows that emotional and mental and relational pain, maybe your physical pain. It'd be one thing if he just saw and heard and knew, but gang, here's the beautiful part. He is here with you right now, today, to bless you, to heal you, to help you, to give you an answer, to encourage you, to move in your life, to give you hope, to give you peace, to give you strength, to give you comfort, right? How do I know? Because we see him doing all of that in his revealed word. And because I am shows that God's unchanging in nature. That means he's immutable. That's the immutability of God. Jehovah God isn't becoming anything or anyone different in person or in character than, than what he has been and what he is now. We don't have to worry about God changing or God shifting or anything like that because God is rock solid. That's why we can anchor our lives in him. That's why we can build our lives upon him. Amen? You see, we'll discuss this more in depth next week, but check this out. In John 8, 58, Jesus himself said, I am. And he was claiming to be Yahweh in the flesh. And Jesus told a parable in Matthew 7 that taught we should build our lives upon him, the solid rock, instead of the shifting sands of this world and culture and our own pride. Build on the rock of I am, the eternal, absolute, changing God who is personal and relational and has come down in the person of Jesus Christ and who went to the cross for your place and my place. We sinned, we transgressed against the holy God, but Jesus took our place. He was put in the tomb and three days later he arose again so that we could have hope and life forever like the old hymn sings how firm a foundation O saints of the Lord how firm a foundation do you know him do you personally know the I am listen what are you going through today what are you experiencing he's here right now he sees you he hears you and he knows you and we all need more of the I am in our lives I'm going to do something today that's a little unorthodox for us. And I feel like God's leading me to do it. We're going to do it again next week too. But I, if, if you need the I am to move in your life, I'm going to invite you. Listen, we're going to, I'm going to invite other believers with, that are faithful. They're standing on God's word to surround you in prayer. But if you need something from the Lord, we're not we're going to isolate you or call you out. And it's not about embarrassment, but I want you just to come down to the front there's something about coming out and stepping out. It's a faith sign to the Lord. And just line up down here. Just line up. See, anybody here, you need the I am to move in your life. 
It could be one, two, three, 40, 50, it doesn't matter. There's something specific in your life, man. It's been gnawing at you. You need God to move in you emotionally, relationally, mentally, physically, spiritually. It doesn't matter. I'm expecting God to move in hearts and move in lives. Dude, this is a house of prayer, amen? Jesus said, my house will be called a house of prayer. But oftentimes when we need prayer, we're too embarrassed. Oh, what is somebody going to think of me? I don't want to go down there. No, listen, God is here. The I am. He has what you need. And he wants to touch your life. Now, I'm going to invite anybody that has faith to come down and lay hands on these brothers and sisters. And let's pray together as a church family and believe together as a church family. Amen. And if you're like, man, I should have went down there. I should. Dude, then come on down and pray and seek the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Let faith arise. God knows every need. He knows the specifics. He knows the details. He's not caught off guard. It's not too hard for the Lord. Uh-uh. He is the I am, and he can do it. He can heal, deliver, save, bring. He can make a way where there's no other way. Lord, we just pray right now for all these that, that by faith stepping out, Lord, to, to just say, I need the I am in my life. God, you know the needs. You know what's going on. You know what's happening in their lives. God, you know what they're crying about. You know what burden is on their heart, God. You know what they've been bringing to you, Lord. Maybe some have been worrying about it for a long time. Maybe it's something they've been carrying around for a long time and they've not wanted to tell anybody. Lord, do your work in their lives. Lay your hand on each and every one today, I pray. Heavenly Father, I am. Be personal and relational to these. Let them feel your presence. Let them know that you are on the throne. You are the creator. There's nothing that's too hard for you, God. And Lord, I pray that you just do your work and your will in their lives right now, Jesus. We just speak your name over them right now, Jesus Christ. All power and all authority is given to you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus, we worship you this morning. I am. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise your name. Praise your name, God. Physical, emotional, mental, relational blessings and touch from you, God. Even financial, Lord. Jesus, let us know you more personally, Lord. Reveal yourself to all of us. And Lord, for those that are watching online, maybe they didn't have a chance to come down front. Lord, do your work in their heart and their life as well. We pray, hallelujah. Hallelujah, God knows. God knows. God, you're our Lord and our master. We just submit it all to you. We obey your word and cast all of our cares upon you for you care for us as the apostle writes, do your work right now, Lord. Hallelujah. And God, we'll give you the glory. We will give you the praise as the great I am in our lives. Hallelujah. Jesus. The I am is everything we would ever need and ever want. Help us, Lord. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Isn't he good? Isn't he good? Can we praise the I am this morning?
God is so good. Part two next week. I can't wait. We get into even more of what Jesus said regarding this. And it's going to be good. Can we just fast forward to next Sunday? That's all right. Come on, let's sing this last song. It's about surrendering all. Let's do that before we leave. Everyone in this place, watching online, let's surrender all to the Lord today.